Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Kate Hoppel. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm here with Amanda Farmer, Derek Crawford, and John Hoppel. And John Hoppel. That's my husband. It is. <laughs> uh, so this week, we usually have Pastor Jason Miller, who leads this podcast, but he is taking a fishing retreat on vacation. So he's gone. And we're going to talk all about him while he's gone. Cause that's Excellent. What, that's how Christianity <laughs> works. <right>? That's <laughs> no, so we're going to talk about um, this part of this series that we're talking about, the God is series. And we're talking about God is heavy. And it's all about God's glory. So we had had um, Pastor Jason Miller did his sermon read through early before he left so we sat in on that and we have some notes here talking about god's glory so we have um what does i don't know it says why did jesus come and why did he sacrifice his life that's a heavy question to start off so what is your opinion of what glory is i think is more of where we should start like what is glory i think he he mentioned it in the in the message um but I always think of, and I think most people would think of glory as I've won glory for my people, my country, my, for me, right. I'm, I'm lauded like, you know, the Olympics, they give gold medals, you win glory, you win honor and prestige and fame. And so to hear it where it's like, well, no, the original, I think it was Hebrew. I can't remember now, but the original translation of that word is heavy like weighty it's it's um it's something that's hard to hard to even really process there you know it's like oh it's it's not like oh i won glory it's no it's just so so much there so present that it weighs everything down it's just weird to think about it too it's like oh god is heavy hmm mm. not the first thing that would come to my mind but yeah sure so I think when it when I look at that question of why did Jesus come and why did he sacrifice his life, the thing we have to realize, and I, you know, Jason would probably clarify me on terminology, so I'm just going to do a very broad uh, <laughs> overview, but that's okay. I think that's fine. It's okay. I can't remember Hebrew from Greek here. I don't know. I don't yeah. know anything. So if 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 Jesus is fully fully God, which we as Lutherans we believe that that he is he is fully divine, okay, then what did it mean that he had to give up in order to become man? Like, did he have to give up his divinity? Did he give up his glory? Did he give up, like, what did he have to do in order to take this role that he is playing in our redemption story? In order to uh, fulfill all of this, he had to submit himself to the to the level of humanity, which, which you know, to, to us, that might be like, oh, yeah, we're the top of the food chain. But not <laughs> when you're compared to God. It is a humongous step down. And so what does that even mean? I think it's hard for us as humans to wrap our minds around this idea of, of God being human. I think we're, we're quick to just say, oh, yeah, he was human. But that means a lot because there were things he didn't know that he learned as he as he grew up. As scripture shows that he he eventually started to uh, understand more and more as he went along because the Holy Spirit was working through him. And so uh, that's a hard thing to grasp. We even see that in Psalm 8 when they it's, the psalmist says that... Um, the angels are above us, but who are humans that you chose us to rule? We see that, that we're lowly creatures. So why was Jesus brought among us? Uh, no, I was, I was going to say too, like with that, you know, <laughs> Jesus giving up so much, you, you know, like we, we I, I read the Bible and I read all the stories of, of Jesus, like performing miracles and, and healing and doing that's like, and it's easy to think, Oh yeah, well that's just because he's Jesus and he's you know that's what he does. But yeah, to to that like oh he was probably relying on the Holy Spirit for power and you know relying on yeah because like you said he was like he was he was learning he was growing I mean he he was as human as any of us yeah. I like to tell kids that Jesus probably skinned his knee. 
I think of that. Or like Jesus belly laughed. Jesus probably belly laughed so hard he cried with his friends. I always think of that. Where he's a carpenter, uh, was his first cut crooked? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That type of question. How many nails did he destroy? <laughs> yep. And then, like, his thumb. not to Ow. not to dive too much deeper into it, but, like, so the, the word here uh, for why Jesus died on the cross is this idea of atonement, mm. uh, like atoning for the sins of the world. And so for the wages of sin is death, right? And so because sin entered the world, uh, death became a necessity. It's a like a byproduct. It, it's it's what happened. Yeah. Okay, so something had to correct that. Something had to. And there's a bunch of different theories. And uh, you know, and even if you said, well, what do Lutherans believe? They they believe in like a a version of like penal substitution. And then there's so there's a bunch of them. There's like seven or eight. Wait, major you just ones. said a thing that I have no idea what Correct. that is. Correct. <laughs> and I'm trying to get there. Uh, but I guess for this question, I think the one that I always attest to, and I can get back to that one, but the one that I uh, that I follow, and I think it's the easiest one to understand, and I think it's present in the other all the other atonement theories, mm. is this idea of Christus Victor, this idea of Christ victory over death. That basically what this was showing is that uh, Jesus had the power over sin, death, and the devil. That death did not stop him. And that's why when people say how much they love the cross, I, w- I always try to remind them, yeah, and the resurrection that came yeah. after that. Because right. a lot of people died on a cross, but Jesus' resurrection is what made that cross so powerful. You know, you were talking about, too, what did Jesus give up to be human? Did he give up his divinity, his power? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he died as a human man that he had power over sin and death. Yeah, it's actually the Holy Spirit is what raised him from the dead. Is the power of the Holy Spirit is what pulled him, mm-hmm. raised him from the dead. And which is awesome because then when you fast forward in the Bible, uh, that same power of the Holy Spirit resides in us. Yeah, And that's a cool thing yeah. to think about, that the power that can bring literally Jesus a God back, back from a human God back to back to life resides in us. That's cool. I know that's not really what we're talking about today, but it's hard not to think about that. Uh, anytime we don't see our our value, or we don't see like we're worthwhile, or you know anything like that, to realize no, there's something even greater than what you can even comprehend residing inside of you that Jesus relied on in order to overcome evil mm-hmm. satan the devil death yeah and that does kind of lead into that next idea that we have that if god is the god of life how does jesus's death bring glory to god mm-hmm. how does that death bring glory and we kind of talked about that of this overcoming death it wasn't just the death on the cross you don't just love the cross you love the resurrection as well you need that the life that comes after death is why we that brings so much glory to god Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and and like for all of us, it, as you said, Derek is like death entered the world because of sin, and so that was our destiny. That was our our place. Was eventually, yeah, because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, of of going against God, we get death. That's the way for the wages of sin is death. The price of sin is is death, and so Jesus. Kind of substituted himself there. He took that, took our place, and and paid that penalty for us. That's what's so. That's what's so important about. It. It's like, oh yeah, the cross is great. <clears throat> cross is yeah. That's a you know they call it Good Friday. It's like, yeah, it is good. But don't forget the resurrection that comes after that. That's the most important part. You know, Amanda, I'd like to hear what you think of worldly glory. So we're talking about all this glory and how Jesus's death and resurrection brings glory to God. But like, what is glory? We haven't really talked about what our views of that is. What is a worldly glory? Like seeking to be famous and things like that. Like, what does that actually look like? I mean, to you? I think worldly glory, I think like, I want all the attention. I want all the gifts. Like I want things. Like I want all these material things. And I want it to be awesome. And I want it to be like the the best of the best. Um, and you guys, you work with youth, right? And so I think of what about the kind of glory that you get with social media? You know, like mm-hmm. I think of all the hearts and the likes and the Instagram shares or favorites. I don't even know. Follows, I can't even use yeah. the Insta. 
Like, how does that affect a teenager today? I think kids, especially with social media, it's so hard to monitor that stuff. And you always post, you're not going to post your crappy day. You're going to make it, you could be having a crappy day, but you're going to post it in a way that everyone's going to think it's awesome. Everyone's going to think your life is so fantastic and you did something real, like, you can make anything look like it's something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you post about your crappy day from a certain viewpoint and I'm really struggling today. But tomorrow's gonna be better, and it's like it's it's very like washed out or filtered, or and, it's yeah. like a woe is me, yeah, yeah, yeah. seeking sympathy things, yep. yeah. And then it's like a oh my goodness, I got five hundred likes or whatever, <laughs> and you kind of like feed off that energy, yeah. like yeah, like an addiction, like, yeah, and you want more of that. So then that that raises the question then. So if that's the earthly glory. How does that compare differently to the glory we're talking about here? If we're if we're asked to show God glory, you know, is mm-hmm. God up there saying, oh, man, I hope I get a million likes? Right? <laughs> or am I hoping- sitting on his Instagram? <laughs> and so I think there's got to be a difference. And yeah. I think where my mind first jumps and you guys can correct me or jump in if you want, yeah. is this idea that uh, I don't know if Jesus or God is necessarily wanting the glory, but he deserves all of it. And I think that's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I'm not sure it's, he's sitting up there craving glory, but it's the thing that he deserves all of it because, because mm-hmm. everything that happens here on earth is because of him. And so he should be, if we go back to the, the weight example, he mm-hmm. should be heavier than every single thing on earth combined. He's going to be greater than that. And I think that's, that's the, the difference is how, how skewed our view of glory here on earth. Because I agree with you 100%, Amanda, that it is, we, we all have our ways that we want to be glorified. And it may not be through social media. It might be through your position at work. It might be through how your parents view you. It could be, there are a lot of things where we like to apply our worth, find our identity, that type of stuff. And, we, and through that, you want to be glorified. You want to be noticed. You want to be seen. You want to be valued. And it fails in comparison. It's going to, be, it's going to leave you wanting if that is the place you find your, your, your value if you don't relate it to what we're talking about with God's glory. It's almost like when you receive this glory, especially a worldly glory, it's very self-centered. And what it does is it affirms your value. It affirms Mm -hmm. your weight in this world. And God should be the heaviest thing in our lives. That's why it goes back to that that Hebrew or Greek word of glory. It means this weight, the measure of value or money. God should be the thing that weighs the most to us. And that kind of leads us to uh, God's glory in the Old Testament when we talk about like Abraham and Isaac and child sacrifice was so common and still prevalent today um, in some areas. And we talk about how Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac and how does that horrible thing bring God glory? How do we see that out of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's definitely... It's definitely like, I remember, you know, reading it or hearing it and just being like, oh man, I wonder what, I wonder what's going on in Abraham's mind. Like, what the heck? I just got this kid that was promised and now you want me to sacrifice him? What? It just seems kind of like, yeah, out of nowhere. Um, But that, I like the context around it of like, no, that was kind of the view for everybody was that the gods little G gods demanded sacrifice. Yeah. I like that. Jason said that in his message that that was a common viewpoint back then. It wasn't that out of the norm for a God, little G God, not our God, the one and only Mm. uh, to ask a child sacrifice. And I think, uh, and I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but, and I think that kind of, one of the best ways that I feel like understanding the Old Testament, and this isn't the only way, so don't don't feel like you have to view the Old Testament this way, but a lot of times it feel like God meets us where we're at as a society. And, and so if this is how they viewed God, if this is how they viewed uh, the world, sometimes it does feel like he works in that, like he yeah. works in the area that they're at. Just like if I were to, and I just use, I've had this example said to me, and I'm not saying it's a perfect example. I'm not really great on examples. I like to tear them apart. I'm holding you to a very strict standard. Yeah. Right yeah. <laughs> but think of it as, 
as the maturity level of a human being. Okay. Hmm. I'm not going to discipline a baby the same way I'm going to discipline a teenager versus an adult. Now, am I saying that the Israelites and the people of God have matured over the years? Nope. That's not what I'm saying. But I do feel like the way in which God approaches us probably does change with how we, uh, how we're operating in this world. Does that mean that his rules and his, his, uh, the things that he values, does that change? No. no. Truth is ap- still truth. Yes, but the approach he takes, I'm thinking does. And I think mm, you can see yeah. that through the Old Testament, that it, uh, his method of dealing or interacting with the Israelites does change. Well, we can see that here at Zion with kids ministry, youth ministry, and I like to call it adult church, the sermon that we hear on a Sunday morning. Often we have the same gospel story that we're giving, and it's just in a different way. I I love that example. That's a really good way to think of that. Um, But how does, I like that we look at Abraham and he sees God as a God of the time asking a child sacrifice. But what happens is God shows Abraham that his faith pays out, that Abraham having faith in the one true God, I'm different than all those other false gods. Mm -hmm. See, I'm not going to let you sacrifice your child. You don't need to. In fact, I always provide. I provided something for the sacrifice for you and you were faithful. And it shows that like, oh, okay, you're always faithful, God. I can do it too. I can be faithful to you. I love that. That's, I think that's where we see the glory in that, even though it sounds horrible and horrific, like sacrifice your child. Well, yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, I, I hear that and I go, gosh, I would, I would never do that. That's horrible. Why would that, why would that be a thing of God asking me? It's like, no, of course not. But then I think, well, then what's, what's God asking me to sacrifice? If there was one thing in my life that I like, doesn't have to be people or person. It can be like, oh, I really love baseball. I love playing baseball. I want to play baseball forever. Is that the thing? Is that more important? Is that more weighty? than God? Like, is that the thing that's, if God asked me to give that up, um, would I want to do it? And I'm like, Ooh, that makes me a bit uncomfortable. Cause I can think of a few things. I'm like, I don't know that I want to, I don't know. <laughs> well, Amanda, you're a busy mom and you work two jobs, full-time jobs, pretty much. I mean, I don't know if you're actually full-time here, but you're definitely here full-time <laughs> hours. Um, you probably have to say no to a lot of good things. I do. I, yeah. Trying to figure out what's going to be worth it. And, and actually, just last night, my husband and I are doing a marriage devotional. And that was one of the things it, our devotional last night was like, what are you taking away this week to make time for each other? And it's like, okay, what am I going to take away from my week to make time for God? Like, yeah. where am I going to um, fill him in? And I think when we were talking child sacrifice, the the only thing I could think of was like, you know, the saying first is the worst, second is the best. Like first is the worst because you have to give up your firstborn. Like Mm. that's that's where that comes from. Like God's like a Rumpelstiltskin up there asking for the firstborn. So like, what? Which child am I going to give up? So well, sorry. Side note: I always like always hearing the Ten Command or the um the plagues in Egypt and the last one is God says, Oh, paint the blood of a lamb over the door and I will pass over you and the firstborn will live. I'm I'm the firstborn in my family. I always was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so terrified. I'm so glad that wasn't me. So when I and I and I think Amanda, you can definitely elaborate because okay, if you don't know Amanda, uh, she does do sermons at the youth program sometimes. And all of hers, she likes to pick out the really bad parts of the Bible and then try to help explain them or the weird parts, the stuff that, you know, you don't really like talking about because they're weird for today's world. (laughs) That's the kind that she likes to talk about. But like, for me, it was always, it was always Jericho for me. Uh, That was always a hard one for me is like, how, how could God send them in and have them wipe out an entire city? Mm. Like, I don't care. Like to me, it was always like, I don't care what that city did, how, how could that be their their punishment? How could that be uh, what God demanded of them? And it and it always brought me down to two different thoughts. To me, it was like, did God say, I'm going to give you this land? And then humanity said, oh, well, that means I can go in and kill everybody. Or did God truly say, go and wipe them all out? 
Okay, that's one view. Sure. Or was it more along the lines of is is that just the, at that time that is what that is how you did it. That's how you land exchange. It's weird in today's culture because like if Clear Lake, if we wanted to band together and take over, you know, Mason City, we can't just go over and then wipe them all out. That's not how we operate. Uh, or do we not understand divine punishment? Do we not understand what uh, we call it wrath, but like we're, we're, we can't judge others. We don't have the ability to, to do divine judgment like God can. Does he already know things that we don't? And, mm. and so it's, it's a balance. And so to me, I've always, I've always had a hard time grasping that story, even after reading commentaries, hearing teachers discuss it. I still am not at a solid, here's what I believe or here's how I see it. And so I guess that's, hopefully that's comfort to you guys out there is that we are not going to understand every part of the Bible. We're not going to truly get it completely. It's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I always, especially since I wasn't raised in the faith, there's a lot of things that I'm still learning and finding out context for that are hard. I love those sermons that Amanda does where it's like, yeah, these are what she bears. What, why are there she bears in the Bible? What is this? Like, why do they, why do they maul all these kids? And I love it when she talks about that kind of stuff, because that's the stuff that could hold a kid back or even me back from believing or understanding. But now I, I realize that I don't need to fully understand everything to believe, that I have this truth bucket that sometimes feels really small. And if the only truth that I know when I wake up this morning is that God loved me enough to send his one and only son who died and was resurrected for the forgiveness of my sins. And that's all I know. <laughs> that's good mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And I and sometimes my truth bracket grows and sometimes that's all I have. So I think it's it's okay that you don't understand everything, but you never, we see that even after the resurrection with Thomas, um, that, you know, he doubts and he has to ask. And he has to say, let me stick my fingers in your hands, Jesus, before I believe. I think it's okay that we ask. But I think it's also okay we might not ever understand. Yeah, and then one of the things I try to do is if I don't understand, instead of trying to wrap my head around the the, the realism, I try to detach it and I try to focus on what is the point of the story? What am I trying to be? What is God trying to speak to me through this? Now, the, I'm not debating whether or not parts of, of scripture is real. So that don't, don't hear me uh, say that, but like, that's a different kind of podcast. Yeah, so, like, so like whether Jonah is eaten by a whale or not and spends three days in, in the belly of a whale or even creation, like whether that's real or not, what, what is, what was, what was God trying to tell me uh, or tell the right or who the Bible's for everyone reading yeah. the Bible. And then what is he trying to tell me specifically? And so uh, that's how I try to approach it and not try to get so hung up on, on the realism of it, though. I do believe that most of these stories are real. Yeah. Uh, I think it can, I think it can hold us back if we focus too much on that, because here's one, a good example is the Bible, you know, the, of that time, thousands of years ago, Humanity cannot comprehend a thousand years. We don't know what a th- we can we 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 can't because you know the even United if, States is only what two hundred and fifty years. That's old? nothing. Yeah, like yeah. that's a that's like three generate three or four generations. That's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And we're trying to go back now. You know, two three thousand years. That's we don't understand that. Like that's what I when I found out that uh, the Book of Psalms is written over like a thousand year span. I'm like. Like, I didn't even like, you know how much society changes in a hundred years? Just like, just look back to the 1900s, how different that is versus America today. Like, it's just, it's, it's almost impossible to wrap your mind around. And so I try not to hold uh, the Old Testament to my views of, of, of modern world because it's, my views are warped. My views are warped by what we see like we would we would have looked like gods back then with our technology and everything we can do today yeah. and we are not <laughs> we yeah. are not even close and so that price spewed off track <laughs> no i love that though even on that side of it though with the old testament not looking at it because when you look at it from our society standards it can make it feel like a dead book like it's archaic and yeah. it has nothing for me so old what's this have to do with my life today yeah and a lot of protestant christians i feel like do that where they're like, I don't really value the Old Testament the way that I value the Gospels and the New Testament. There's nothing for me to learn here. 
And I love that you say that. I think that's an important thing to say where it's like, yeah, but don't hold it to today's standards. It does still have something for you to hear. I was going to say too, like, even with, I can remember like being in college and, and the theme, like we, we got back to, uh, you know, it's August, September, and I'm sitting with the ministry group that I'm a part of. And I just remember them getting up and being like, this year is a new year. God is doing something new. And I don't know, it just, it just kind of struck me that like the gospel, what Jesus was doing was new to the Pharisees, to the people. Like it was different. It was weird. It was countercultural. And I think there's still some new ways of doing it. Not that the, the message is new, like Jesus saves, um, Jesus heals and resurrects and gives us new life. And that never changes. It's just how we go about it that may look different and may change from season to season. And that's the thing that's, it's hard. Yeah, sure. It's like, oh man, I, I thought I knew how this worked, but now it's, now it's a little different. Yeah. Can I ask Amanda a question? Yeah, do it. Okay. So one of the things that Amanda's good at is she's good at taking uh, issues that children are dealing with today, like in middle school and high school. And then finding a biblical example of how how to grow from that. Mm. What's your mindset on that? Because I know that's a that's deep in your heart where you like there's nothing in the Bible. I know this wasn't you, but I know we did it in uh, youth one year where it was like any problem that a kid faces, there's a psalm for that. Like you know, there's an app for that. Oh, yeah. We did oh, that's it. Funny. We did it for a nice. psalms. Like there's a psalm for that. Like there's a psalm for depression. There's a psalm for yeah. you know gratitude for whatever it is. And I know I know Amanda has a heart for that. Do you have what are your thoughts on that with uh, how scripture should be speaking to us today? Oh boy, put me on the spot. <laughs> um, no, I I 100 think that if you're gonna teach anyone, myself included, kids, whoever, you need to do it on a level that they're going to understand and they can compare. And to say like the Old Testament, oh, not it, like it's not like that anymore. But there's bits and pieces of those stories that you can pull from and you mm -hmm. can compare it to something. It might not be exact, but there's definitely things you can compare to and and find, you know, a way to see it the way they did find a wisdom there. yeah yeah mm -hmm. i think that there's common human experiences that happen in the bible yeah, yeah. definitely you don't you know in 2002 and the butterfly clips and the, like the full <laughs> blue eyeshadow like there's a lesson <laughs> to be learned from that like so you, we can take it back a few thousand years like yeah <laughs> like humanity had anger they had jealousy they yeah. had pride. envy pride yeah. All these things that we still experience today, humanity had that then too. And, and you so. can think of that. I love that when you talk about like the context of like, what is it really trying to say to me? We see pride in the Tower of Babel where they're, what are they really doing there? Whether they're literally building a tower up to the sky or not, doesn't really affect what the truth of the story of what I'm trying to hear out of it means where it's like. Yeah, but if I try to keep building myself up and up and up until I've become my own God, what happens to me then? You know, where you can read it, you can read any Old Testament story in that kind of context that whether or not it literally happened doesn't affect the truth of it. Exactly. Yeah. The world's not going to fill you full, but the word is. Amen. That's <laughs> a good one. Oh, somebody should write that down. Um, so we're talking about the Old Testament and how God's glory, the weight of God is still shown, even though it's hard for us to see sometimes today. What about the weight in our lives, like the weight of our relationships? Um, we do our journey process here at Zion where we talk about um, this discipleship process within our small groups. It's kind of like a small group, but more um we talk about like an up in and out where you have what do you worship what's your identity and what's your obedience mm -hmm. and i always think of that for my weight in relationships of like okay what am i gonna make my idol today like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's my up and that yeah that's i was gonna say that's your up that's the thing that you worship and it's i think for me i i, I always I, I think i choose to forget sometimes that i actively am worshiping something 
it may I likely I'd, I'd like it to be God. That's the thing we want. You know, we want to worship God. We want to make his name great. Sometimes I think that shifts from for me. It's like it goes to, I don't know, relationships or it goes to my job or it goes to whatever. Um, and if you're not worshiping God, what are you worshiping? Because you're worshiping something. You're putting your attention, your devotion, your time and your your identity into something. It's just, what is that? Yeah. And I can ask this question to you three because I'm not married, but uh, and, but Jason did talk about in, in a sermon that, you know, what order should we rank the the people in our lives? Yeah. Like he said, he puts his wife before his children. Mm-hmm. And as you guys are both married and you guys have kids, how do you guys see that? Do you agree with that? And, you know, where does Jesus rank? Uh, like, how do you guys see that? Because mm-hmm. I, I bet you that's probably one of the more provocative things he said I personally think he's right on track, but do we always see it that way? Yeah, yeah. you could practically hear the audible gasps of all the children in the room. Of like, oh, my dad would never think that about me. I am obviously the favorite. What? Oh, I yeah. As a parent and as a wife, I think it is hard to to put your relationship with your spouse before the needs of your children, like especially when they're younger, like. They need to be fed. They need to be clothed. Yep. Like yeah. you have to do everything for them. And that takes up a lot more of your time than your relationship with your husband or wife. Um, so it is, yeah, it, to me, it, it is kind of crazy to try to put, you know, your relationship with your spouse before your children um, as they're younger. You know, maybe when they hit <laughs> college age, it'll be like, see ya. But then they'll be hitting, <laughs> hitting us up for money. Who knows? I think it's crazy to think about um, like the the weight of our priorities when we're talking about like worshiping, what are you going to worship today in this context of husband, children, because what you put your time, talents and treasures into the most is what you're worshiping. You can say you worship God first, Mm -hmm. but where are you spending your time? When are you where are you spending your gifts and your talents? Where are you spending your money or your treasures, your resources? That's going to show you what you're actually idolizing what you're actually worshiping and so I think that children when they're little to your point Amanda when they're infants they're practically parasites they're literally feeding (laughs) off of you sucking you dry of your life I'm just kidding I'm sorry for all those new moms out there (laughs) but they get it they're a a joy they're a joy children are a joy by the way I work with children here at Zion (laughs) (laughs) but I mean you're right Amanda these young kids take a lot of your time talents and treasure but I think there's wisdom in what God is telling us in that hierarchy of, no, you need to set that aside for your husband because mm-hmm. you need that for your health, for your for your marriage, for your um, spiritual life. You need to set your child's needs aside sometimes because it will consume you. If, if you ask any new parent, not just a new mom, like a new mom to a new baby, never been a parent before, but I mean, like if you have an infant at home. Mm-hmm. It will consume you. It takes up so much of your time. You have to take time aside. I think there's wisdom in that. Yeah. Well, and the same thing goes, I think, too, with like your spouse. If if you put them on the pedestal of what you worship, well, we're all human and we all make mistakes or we all struggle. And some days there's going to be times where it's like, no, I just I don't I don't have it. I don't I, I can't do this. And you're going to be disappointed if the thing that you put on the pedestal whatever it is isn't god if that's the if that's not the thing that you have as a focus you're yeah everything else is gonna let you down yeah and i think uh to to back jason's uh statement i think scripture also supports this idea Yeah. yeah i think if you look at jesus the one thing you could say over and over and over again is he does he does one thing above i think everything else always gives credit to god the father, he always turns every, almost every story, he turns attention to the father in heaven. So like, it's very clear that the number one thing in his life should be God, that it's, that it's the God, the father. He was very, even when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he always pointed things to, it's not about me. So like, you could even throw yourself in there. Like, should I be first above yeah. God? Nope. Yep. God should definitely be first. And then scripture over and over talks about marriage. Like it, it's in there yeah. all the time. And it, it's a, 
and without going into the gross side of it, what do you think one <laughs> the what do you think one flesh really means? It's it's not necessarily just the uh, the intercourse part of it. Yeah, it is actually like the it is actually the the coming together, like your souls uniting. Yeah, and that isn't that is a that is that is attached with promises from God, and so there is great value in that. Now, does it show that kids are not important? Absolutely not. No. Jesus definitely values values the kids, but I think I think there is a, a an order in which he shows that importance, and I think we are oftentimes flip it. Now, does that mean you should let your kids starve? No. Does that mean that you should uh, tell oh. them to fend for themselves? Absolutely not. But that, but I think you are doing a disservice, and I think the the Bible would support that if you are neglecting your spouse over your children. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Following after God and 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 making it a point to do what he's asking or, or the focus on the things that he has called you to will naturally lead to you giving attention to your spouse. Yeah. And then through that relationship, giving the proper care and devotion and help to your children too. And I think that's probably a different perspective for men and women. It just is mm. naturally of like, you know, we see that in scripture, women submit to your husbands as you would. And then for men, how are you supposed to treat your wives? You know, just as Christ treated the church mm -hmm. bride, we see so that for die her. for them. Yep. Yeah. I yep. mean, so if you if you, you when I, <laughs> I encourage young people that are feeling, or even not even young people, but people who are feeling discouraged for not getting married or not finding the right one, and they're starting yeah. to uh, like maybe loosen their standards. It's like I didn't get married to John until I was thirty. And I know plenty of people that are older than that that are still waiting for the right person because it is so important who that person is. For me, mm -hmm. that husband had to treat me like Christ treats the church, that he would lay his life down for me, that he would hold me spotless before the king, that he would be held accountable for me someday. And same for men, for women, what kind of wife are you looking for? What what role do you want her to play in your Christian home? That can't just be anyone. No, no, and uh, yeah, I I agree with that, hundred percent. Where it's is like, it just because she's your wife? Absolutely. Well, no, but I can I can attest to that. Where I remember I remember a time in my life where I was I I was just directionless and just spinning my wheels and feeling like I was getting nowhere. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't know where I wanted to go. And I'm like, I can't in good conscience, ask somebody else to be with me in a relationship like that and go along me, go along with me up and down and all over while I'm trying to figure it. I'm like, this, that's not the important thing right now. What's important right now is where God has me. And I don't like where it is right now, but I'm going to follow where he leads. And everything, what is the, I'm trying to remember the verse now. Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Thanks, so, Matthew 6. I, I, I can't remember exactly. And so I like that you brought it up. So I will continue on this to speak for the non-married people, the yes. not even necessarily single, but the non-married people. I think our, our, our original hierarchy is most important. That idea that Jesus is number one. I think humanity across the board shares that same that same should be sharing that same number one. Do we? Absolutely not. But that's what we, that's what we should be. But I think it changes what our next importance is because uh, Lutherans we don't are we only believe in two sacraments. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We believe in baptism and Holy Communion. We don't see marriage as a sacrament because we don't see it as a command from God that you yeah. have to get married. Mm -hmm. However, if you do choose to get married, there are responsibilities, there are commitments, there are promises attached to that. That yeah. changes your priorities. For single people, it's the same concept. It's just they they have a different mission, different values, different 
like uh, Paul didn't get married because he and he viewed it as if if anything's going to distract you from following Jesus, then don't do it. <laughs> like, yeah. and that there's not, holiness and singleness. That's yeah. why the right person, like, like you said, someone that does point you to Jesus is important because otherwise they're a distraction. Yeah. And that's not good either. Now, that's not me telling you don't get married because I have full <laughs> support of, of marriage and the uh, promises and blessings that go along with that. Plus, you're outweighted in this room. So. Yeah. <laughs> However, don't, up on him. don't feel bad if, if you're not. But that just means that your focus has to be on that number one, that your focus yep. isn't split. Your focus is on, on Jesus. And to the married people in the room, that doesn't give you permission to not focus on Jesus. It yep. just means you have another thing that you have to focus on. Yeah. So there's weight and there's... Hope you can multi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you better be sure what you're doing. Yeah, and so that weight that God carries, we talk about that, um, the weight in our lives and our relationships, but what about God's presence? Why do we see in scripture it is described as a thick, heavy cloud in Exodus or fire coming down in Second Chronicles. But the Holy Spirit is able to live within us. So what, Derek, I would be so curious of what you think because of seminary and everything of um, what that God's presence really means or looks like. Okay, so I'm not going to answer this question, <laughs> but I'm going to give you something that I'm really feeling, uh, especially over the last couple, the last couple months and towards the end of seminary, what I've been seeing and noticing in scripture, you know, sometimes in life, things just uh, jump out at you more than they think before. Like what the recently mine was liberation. Like I, I just see God liberating us throughout scripture. Every time we become enslaved or to whether it be sin or the Egyptians or, you know, whatever it is, like there's a, a heart of liberation throughout it. And I'm not saying liberation theology, but I'm saying just the, the act of being liberated from things holding you down. One of the things I'm, I've been seeing lately is when sin entered the world, it pulled us up. It, it's like a, it like just ripped us apart from God. Yeah. Sin separates us from God. And I think you look at this redemption story that's going on of Jesus coming down to earth and uh, basically bringing us back into uh, oneness with God. And I think as it grows closer and closer, it shows a God that is desiring to be one with us. And so when you think about uh, how he interacted with us at the beginning of scripture, like whether it's through, through a burning bush or whether it would just be through the temple itself and you could only see him uh, through the temple or whether it was a, a, rain, a rain cloud guiding us, whatever it might be. And then when Jesus comes along, it talks when it talks about the fig tree and overturning the tables and stuff, that's Jesus taking over his authority over the temple. Like he's saying that the, the temple is no more and I'm now going to be that conduit between humanity and God. I'm going to be that thing that unites us back together. He even and, refers to himself as the temple yep. in three days. Yep. Yeah. And then he then you, he pushes us towards the Holy Spirit where it's now it's not even that you're going to have a conduit between you and God. Now God's going to dwell inside of you. Yeah. Like it's 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 literally this. You can see this progression as God's desire to be closer and closer and closer with humanity, trying to restore us back into that redemptive uh, nature, back to the garden, back to the to walking in oneness with Him. And I think it's such an incredible story. That's why back to your original question of why did Jesus die on the cross? Because this is such an awesome way for yeah. God to redeem. It's so cool. And what a way to tie that back to the glory of why God deserves that glory. What a good, loving father that God is that he sent an, a way for us to return to him, that we can be back to that original design, that everything that we've done to mess that up can be washed clean. Then that salvation is that ultimate return to to being in oneness with God. It's, it's poetic. It's, you know, cinema can't write a better uh, story. A better finish like and it's so cool because we know what's coming we just uh we have to do our part in the time the in the here and now and it's so cool yeah talking about good news and sharing that wow all right i guess we know why you're a pastor that was a pretty good one <laughs> <laughs> but what okay so when we talk about the holy spirit lives in us um we talk about that weight that it gives so now how do we tie that i'm just, this isn't in my notes but i was just thinking about like the authority that we have now, that the spiritual authority that we had in the previous week's sermon that we had talked about, now that kind of gives a deeper understanding of that spiritual authority and where it comes from, that kind of weight that God has in our lives, 
that's that same Holy Spirit that's now within us. Mm-hmm. I think when you said, like, the Holy Spirit is in us, it makes me think I had done a baptism a while back, and the little girl had asked me, like, what does that mean? Like, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, like having an awesome superpower that you can't, like, see. Um, and you're not quite sure how it's going to work on that on certain days, but you can use it. Like, you can call mm-hmm. upon Jesus, and you can, you know, you can do awesome things with it. Um, I just think that, like, it's like you're everyone's a superhero. <laughs> yeah, and it's like bringing – so when we talk about that worldly glory, we're talking about the glory of the self, you know, but when we do awesome things with this superpower, who gets that glory? You know, it's like by no other name. It's it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit that we get to do these things. And so that's who gets the glory. That's really cool. Can I counter? Yeah, do it. Okay. So be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so why why can't I raise someone from the dead? If I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me, why can't I raise someone from the dead? Mm-hmm. Why can't I heal everyone that I want to mm-hmm. heal? Why can't I fix all of the broken in this world? What would you say to somebody? And it, and I can answer yeah. this too. It's not, I'm not just throwing it out. At you no, guys. I love it. But like, yeah. what would be your first instinct reaction if somebody came up to you and said, because that is, that might be the number one question I get asked as a pastor is like, mm-hmm. why is there evil in the world? Yeah. And oh, yeah. that's a whole nother topic as well. But I think it goes along with what we're saying here is, you know, how do you respond to that? If I have the Holy Spirit inside of me and the Holy Spirit can raise uh, Jesus from the dead, Same power. Oh, can defeat the devil, can, you know, Christ is victorious, like all of that, then why don't I see that in my own life? Does that mean I don't have the Holy Spirit inside yeah. of me? Does that mean, you know, okay, so I'll leave yeah, that to you I, I love that you asked that because that's something that can keep someone from faith or pull them out of the faith. You know, if you get sick or a loved one gets sick, I've had kids ask like, hey, I prayed to God to save my grandma. Why did she die? Mm-hmm. And you get you get those questions. I think that's an important thing to ask, Derek. I'm glad you countered that. Um, and I don't think I can answer it perfectly, but I know that it ties back to what we were talking about with, I might not always understand everything. And those are the days that my truth bucket feels really small. But I know that God still loves me. And I know, and I look you know, back with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I say that really weird, Abednego. To bed we go is why I said that. (laughs) Um, When they are getting thrown in the furnace, the fire, they're about to be burned, and they say, well, I know my God can save me, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. Um, Just because I want something doesn't mean that that's what is for the ultimate good. Just because I ask for something um, to be healed or whatever. It doesn't mean that I don't have enough faith. It doesn't mean I don't have the Holy Spirit. It just wasn't God's will for that. Um, there's going to be a lot in life that I don't understand, and it's going to be hard to struggle with that. Um, yeah, I hope that's you, – you can keep answering everyone else, but that's kind of how I answer it. Yeah. Well, it's it's like there are things that we – as humans think of as good like if if i could touch somebody and say in jesus name be healed of your whatever cancer your whatever it is someone's on their deathbed and just like that they're healed or i pray with you know 10 people from the congregation and they're healed that's good but what's what's the better good sometimes in that situation is that, yeah, life here is, it's okay. It's good. Life free of cancer is good, but we're still going to die here on earth. We're still going to be with Jesus one day. That's the promise for every believer is that we will see Jesus. And so it's so hard because it's, it's a sad, it's death is never good. (laughs) It's never fun. But it's it's one of those things where you, if for a believer, you are with Jesus. You are in that promised, that fold. You're you're with him, and so I don't know. It's it's still a hard. It, it's absolutely a hard question to answer. But 
like what you said, Kate, you, you just trust sometimes that you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I go real fast. Do it. Okay, I know we're about to I wrap this thing up, up, but I'll go real fast on my thoughts because uh, they, they, they're similar to your guys'. First, I think uh, the consequence of sin, so sin entering the world, evil things happen. And that's, there are results. Uh, I like to use it at the idea in, in uh, youth program that if I, if I lie to somebody, it has a ripple effect, that it's going to mm -hmm. affect other people. But that's not going to have the same ripple effect as if I were to stab Amanda right now and she died. That's going to have a much bigger, it's going to be a much bigger ripple effect. I hope effect. you tie this up fast, sir. Yeah, I'm going to tie this up fast. Yeah, interesting into the podcast. So, so, sin, so sin has a consequence. Sin has effect on the world. And uh, that's something we, we do have to live with. And we have to understand that there are sins and there are going to be evils in this world. And it's not a, a God's fault. It's that uh, we caused it. Sin caused it. And that's what Jesus's eventual death is, is a conquering that. But that doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to stop sin from happening right now, because until until he comes again, finally, we, we do have to still live in a sinful, broken world. Now, when it comes to your faith, I do believe that when you pray, you I mean, there is times in Scripture where it showed that the disciples didn't have enough faith to cast out demons like you mm -hmm. faithless and perverse generation. And so there is an element of that. But I, I would just say this, and this is the thing I have to ask myself over and over and over in youth ministry and, and working in ministry in general. Is it my will or is it God's will? Yeah. And am I willing to submit to God's will even if I don't like the outcome? Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a hard thing because like if my grandma were to pass away and I wouldn't want her to, but am I willing to say, God, I, I trust you. Use me if you need to use me. Uh, whatever it might be, I trust you. Or am I going to say, no, this is what I want. And I think that is a big difference. And it's a hard thing that we all have to we all have to walk through is like, what is Jesus calling me to? What is he telling me to do? Not what do I want? Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing to distinguish. And then back to what you were saying. And then sometimes we just don't understand his plan. We don't get it. We don't understand what's going to happen. And uh, we won't until the end. Yeah. And on the that note, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown. Uh, my name is Kate Hobble. And a farmer. Derek Crawford. And John Hobble. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.